So in this uh, retreat session, retreat format, just, just ask to feel what you feel. It doesn't have to be um, a whole, uh, you know, bringing up difficult things, but just to get to know, to feel how you feel. What does that mean? It can mean a number of things. Clearly we feel physically, but more significantly we feel the general tone. I feel comfortable, I feel interested. They're not really feelings, they're whole kind of emotional streams, emotional states, heart states. We call them mind states, but actually they're heart states. <laughs> yeah, which could be, uh, I feel enthusiastic, I feel uncertain, I don't, think, I don't think I've got enough time. Even though we say, I don't think I've got enough time, we get to the feeling it's pressure, pressure. Okay. So to know what you feel, because often we think ourselves. Mm. I don't think I can manage. Uh, I think I'm doing pretty good. I think that other person doesn't like me very much. Uh, I think my meditation isn't that good, really. Yeah, what do you feel? This is very important because much of the time we're not necessarily experiencing violent surges of emotion, though that does occur. The most significant is just getting the sense of a, a self-reference and really getting down to the heart quality, the emotional quality of that self-reference. Now, the self-reference may not even seem like a self-reference. It may seem like, you know, oh, I think there's a lot of people waiting for me. But you're involved. I think there's a lot of people waiting for me. I don't want to let them down. Okay, what's the feeling? Fear. Right? Pressure, fear. Yeah. I think that this practice is the most important thing in my life. Yeah? What's the feeling? Eager. Yeah? Something really swelling up. Okay? So you try to translate your, your verbal um, references into heart references. and so getting familiar with that any scenario in which you appear right? I really don't think that Jeffrey and Harry really did a good job here yesterday you don't even appear in that verbally but I think that Harry and John didn't do a good job here what's that? you're still involved with it because you're forming the thought aren't you? You're in that. What's that? Frustration. Maybe. Yeah, disappointment. A little bit of anger. I mean, you're not flaring with rage, but it's a feel. Let me down. And if you go into it, the feeling of, yeah, people never do really what I want them to do. They never turn up on time. And you get these never and always. I always have to do it myself because... 
I never get a chance to take because da, 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 nobody else really does as much as I do. Okay, <laughs> do you hear any of those? <laughs> okay, what's the feeling? Um, yeah, no, I, no, it's always just one word. The heart only speaks one word. The head speaks many words. So if there's a lot of words, you're still referring to the head description, the thought description. You get down to the heart, it's one word, it's, it's abandoned, alone, uh, not cared for. Well, that's three words, but <laughs> see what I mean? It's just one pop. Oh, then you get that, oh, what's that feel like? Oh, now that's got some energy in it. There's a certain familiarity to that pattern. A certain, yes, oh, here I am again, you know. And where's that? When you get that reference, swirling, tangled, then I feel this kind of uneasy feeling in my guts. Okay, you got it. So, and now, so why do we want to get it anyway? It doesn't sound very pleasant. Well, because instead of thinking about John and Harry not turning up and doing the job that you wanted him to do, and so, da, 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 and having this chit-chat in your head, which you then probably believe in, and next time you see John and Harry, you think, oh, there's so-and-so never does a good job. You know? <laughs> and you've got this whole story going on in your head, yeah, about you always have to do all the work here, and nobody ever turns up on time, you get that one, all that story going on. So when you sit and meditate, it starts babbling. <laughs> you know, it's feeling of frustration or alone, whatever it is, and that, in the gut, sense of sinking, and now's the time to. What's it need? Because now it's in your body, and this is good. Because once you get it to the the body, you get a slight bodily shimmer, or sense, or misting, or cramping, or flaring. It could be quite slight, but it could be quite profound. It could be in these, generally these very sensitive areas. Throat, the face, the head, belly, chest, you know, the whole upper torso is generally, most of the memory is there. And it touches into something that's got a certain me profile to it. I always have to do, I never get, nobody supports me, they always do this to me. You know, that kind of impression. Wow. Okay, let's have a look, feel that one. If it's in my gut, what's needed? What does it need? Now, I don't want it. I don't want it. I think it's stupid. I don't want it. I should get over it. It's silly. Get on with life. No, no, that's what I want. But this isn't about what I want. <laughs> this is about chitta, heart, being cleared of this emotional profile of being the one who's left out, for example. And everybody gets this sooner or later, surely. Okay, so what does it need, this sense? You don't think about it. Just go into your body, feel the air of your body. If you can feel it in a particular area, this is great. Because then staying in that air and expanding your awareness to include a wider degree of your body body starts to do something. Generally it breathes. 
I mean, it always breathes, but the breathing takes a particular turn. <sighs> sometimes it, oh, it breathes out, or sometimes it sort of... <sighs> it's not exactly the air breath, it's that the life force as it manifests in breathing gives a little shift. And then, oh... Suddenly there's a sense that occurs in the body of a oi, and then there's a feeling of release. So it means we can take these seemingly, you know, embarrassingly petty issues and squabbles and topics that come up in our day <laughs> as, as threads you follow the thread, it takes you back to some aspect of the emotional profile. Right? That if you actually work on that emotional profile and embody it, let the body feel it, breathe it, there can be a softening, a releasing, a transformation. A transformation of your emotional profile. Yeah. You see what I mean? In, in general, in principle. I've tried to use a simple topic, one there. Uh, another one, oh, the kitchen's a real mess. I get back from work today and the kitchen's a real mess. Oh, I've got to go and clean it. I tidy it up. I've really got to go. I've got to get in the kitchen. It's such a mess. How do people leave it in a mess? And you start cleaning up, pissing up. You know, you're working until six. You get home from work. Kitchen's a mess. You start. And, you know, and like, how did it get to be your kitchen? How did it get to be your mess that you have to clean up? How did that happen? That's your emotional profile won't work. <laughs> now, I'm not saying you shouldn't clean the kitchen. I'm just saying any compulsive reflex. Yeah, that's, that's, you say, that, well, that's great. You know, she cleans the kitchen, gets home from work, cleans the kitchen. What a wonderful person. But she doesn't feel like a wonderful person. She feels like a person who has to do all the work. <laughs> and, uh, you know... You know, and it takes on a disproportionate amount of the work in in the in the house, or in the monastery, and is actually then not doing what is necessary to look after herself, himself. Right? Get home from work. Isn't it the proper thing? Get home from work. Put your things down. You know. Be where you are. Okay, how you're feeling? Probably a bit frazzled, tired, traffic, you know, busy day. Let's deal with that. Don't start cleaning the kitchen up. Now, you're in a workaholic mode and you, your workaholic attitude is taking you into the next work project. Okay, because that's where your set, your setting is. You're in the working Got to get things done mode. And then you're going to go into the next thing. Yeah, 
and that's not suitable. Even it's not a you know it's not a horrible profile, but it's still a compulsion. And this system needs to be properly cared for, cleaned, respected, looked after. So is it possible to, you know, without, you know, take a breath? So you see what I mean? This can be ordinary domestic situations. But of course, every situation we're in, relational, domestic, work, whatever it is, is the result of our own hearts, our chitta. It's taking us into that. Probably it's got some good in it. Probably there are bits that are a bit oppressive or difficult. But we've created our world, our intimate world, without even knowing it. We think it's there. And in a sense it is, because my system is seeing that. I come home from work, I see the kitchen's a mess. I don't see the dog feeling happy to see me. I don't see, you know, the flowers on the table. I don't feel my body breathing in and out, which is certainly happening. Hmm? Instead I see the next thing I have to do. And so our attention is pretty biased according to our emotional profile. Of course, we don't just have one setting on that, but, you know, that's one, isn't it? The obligation that I've got to get things done. And it's mine, my responsibility. And so... So this is the emotional energy which is happening. There's the compulsive nature of it happening. And then there's a self-identification with it, right? Rather than, oh, that's, that's happening, but I am it and I'm acting upon it. That's karma. So you've got these different currents. The first is the initial triggering current, that triggering, that being affected. How am I feeling? I see the kitchen's in a mess. How do I feel? Okay, just uh, not happy, unhappy. Not good. Why? What's going on? How is that? Not saying it's wrong, just there's that. So is that strange enough, you might very well say to your partner, the person next year, kitchen's in a mess, they go, looks pretty good to me, looks all right. Yeah, I mean, that's a bit, yeah, that's sure. They don't see it as a mess. They see it a little bit casual, but... This happens. This is where, of course, you get people having arguments and, and you know, yeah, you don't understand, it's a complete... So, I don't see the problem, it looks, looks fine to me. You know, I'm sure, if you, I suppose if you look at it closely, yeah, there's a bit of dirt there, but what's the, what's the big deal about that? <laughs> you, you, you. So this is where things happen, isn't it? <laughs> Domestic violence over different emotional profiles. So, okay, but that's yours. We're not going to have an issue with that. But the self, the action. So, you see, that's another, apart from the original triggering, 
there's a sense of firming up around that, taking it in and then activated by it. Right? So that's another emotional compulsion. We might have the, the original triggering, one thing, and then there's the emotional compulsion to bind around it and act upon it and solidify it. Now, this also happens, you know, long-term feuds, either sectarian violence. He's a Protestant, he's a Catholic, we hate him. You know, let's come back to Northern Ireland. Anything happens. He's black, you know, ignorant, rapist or something or the other. These things happen. It's a sectarian thing. Divisive, you can happen in families. That's my niece who's a lazy so-and-so, never, you know, she didn't, you know, somebody becomes identified with my emotional projection onto them before they even open their mouths. You know? So that, whereby we don't actually open to receive something fresh as it is. We're seeing things through very tinted tinted heart spectacles and then we take a stand on it some of these can be really really gripped you know so we get situations where the identification with it is so strong that a person cannot let it go because it's my hatred that keeps me going <laughs> You know, my grudge I will carry to my grave, my resentment and grudge, because it, it's become me, and I'd feel confused without it. I mean, clearly people don't think this way, but grudges and things of this nature could be held with such tenacity because it becomes myself, and it tells me where I am, it becomes almost a security device. Yeah. You know, I hate the people next door. I hate Jews. I hate Muslims or whatever. Right? Now I know where I am. So I'm not going to let that one go because it gives me an identity. Be that. And then, you know, anybody who challenges that identity, I'm not going to listen to them. And they don't really realise the insecurity underneath that that means you have to take a position on something, on an emotional response in order to feel secure. Another thing that can occur around this, this selfing then becomes more significant than the emotional tendency itself. Everybody gets angry, everybody gets sad, everybody gets uh, fearful, everybody feels insecure, everybody gets this, that and the other, everybody gets feeling dumped on, everybody feels joyful, everybody gets happy, you know. These are not, these are very normal palette of human emotions. Yeah. Now they, they can be managed, but if there's a big self sitting on top of them, they can't. <laughs> this seals them in to the identity packet. It's a membrane around it that seals it all in. So it's the self thing is the main thing. Now as you get <laughs> a kind of Another layer around that, which is a kind of um, 
a sort of a, what we call the superego self, which says, uh, you know, uh, you shouldn't feel like this, or don't bother with that. That's that's true. So you get something that actually stops you penetrating that particular that particular identity. I'm always this way. That's the way it's going to be. I'm always like this. That's just my nature. I'm always it's because 25 years ago I did bad. I really messed up. So I'm like this. Don't enter it. I feel insecure and I'm an addictive personality because of this. So you get a sabotage program that stops the inquiry and the objective unwrapping of this whole package. Or I feel miserable but I don't deserve to feel good anyway because I'm such a pathetic person. So we get something called a sabotage program uh, which then kind of nullifies any compassionate, intelligent unfolding, unwrapping of these other aspects of the whole process. You've got the original emotional quality, which itself may be conditioned and biased and confused and unwholesome. Yeah. Then you get the identity around it, which tends to fixate upon it. And then you get something that stops, stops looking at the fixation, dismisses it, doesn't think it's important, says it doesn't matter, says it's only a personal thing, not make a big deal out of it, or says you can't cope with it anyway, or you don't deserve to, to do, it, do anything about it anyway. These kind of things. You get, so you get the different layers. The original thing, the self, and then the super self or the super ego around it. Now, you know, what we want to do, <laughs> ideally, is to sort of just see if we can get past these, these self layers into the core process itself. Because that's, that's direct. And, and uh, the self stuff, you know, it falls away uh, if the original emotional trigger is understood and released properly. Because in order to release these, uh, we might say, our fundamental emotional patterns and, and processes and reflexes, we have to build, nourish, grow a core presence, an embodied, core, stable, open, spacious presence that can do that. Because I can't do it. That's my self thing. Myself cannot undo that. It can only add more, I shouldn't be this way, I'll deal with it. If I meditate hard enough, long enough, I will get through it. That doesn't do it. But there is... I'm calling it you know, core presence or you know, pure presence or embodied presence or embodied awareness. These are the terms that one can use. That can do it. The cultivation of that provides the kind of security that the self longs for and has to get through clinging to something. Even if it's rubbish, it clings to it. The core presence provides the stability that, that clinging is no longer necessary. The core presence provides the kind of balanced, happy, pleasant quality yeah, of being 
that self-program doesn't have to go searching for something to feel happy about because the core presence is happy. It's because it's it's not compressed, it's not it's not contracted, it's not distorted, it's not in pain. So why shouldn't it be happy? It's comfortable. So once we provide, you know, reference to something that is stable, does feel agreeable, a lot of the clinging, yeah, the mechanism that begins to make self out of these programs, out of these emotional programs, that clinging is redundant and it stops, it fades out, it passes. And what are you, what are you getting messed up with that for? Oh, yeah. The whole issue can drop away. And then that emotional energy that was seemingly bubbling away inside just begins to regulate. Okay, we come back to the kitchen, feeling a body, stable, open presence. Yeah, it's not the way I'd like it. <laughs> yeah, that's not the way I'd like it, personally. You know, totally different response. Totally genuine, completely personal, it's completely subjective, you know. Yeah, well, I could see it another way. I could see, you know, my room for improvement here. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, instead of that, can't every day I've got to clean up this in kitchens and everything after this. And so, just, it looks like, you know, could be improved here. Mm. Totally no person in it. There's nobody in the kitchen. There's no feud. There's no oppression, no weight, no I've got to, no nobody cares, no it's all up to me, none of that. And we feel a little bit, ooh, it's a bit bit of a mess there, but I don't like, I, you know, I've got to see improvement, improvement here. And, okay, that's sensitive, there's emotional resonance, we're getting a sense of that and we're feeling it and, you know, able to feel agreeable or disagreeable about that, but instead of that bond, that clinging, there's a sense of, oh well, maybe, yeah, we could, perhaps we could look at that in time. Right now I think I need to just take a rest, got back from work, take a rest, mm, feel what's happening in my body, take a few breaths, refresh myself, you know, deal with really what's important. Yeah. Because that's that you're the most important thing in your life. It should be, but not not your identity package with its with its story. But your core presence is the gift, the treasure, the gift that's there for you. Yeah. And it provides you with stability, balance, agreeable qualities, intelligence, and is able to to you know help you. And you should look at it. You should refer to it. You should return to it. And so, so right now, I'm not really talking about huge traumatic processes, but just the average everyday, you know, little niggles and irritations and passions and oh, you know compulsions. So, what's the model for this? 
the practice model for this. Whole body awareness. What's a whole body? Now, it's not necessarily the case. We can't take it for granted that uh, we're experiencing what I call whole body awareness. We may think it because whatever you're in feels like that's it. This is the whole body. It's this. Because you don't see, you don't feel anything other than this. Right? So it must be the entirety. You only feel as much as you're aware of. So you feel that's my entire, it's the whole body. Probably not, actually. They say, okay, well, how do you know it's not? Does it feel settled? Does it feel comfortable and settled? Does it feel there's ground, it's grounded? Does it feel there's ground supporting it? Does it feel the space around it? Does it feel there's some easy rhythmic flowing of breathing through it? No, it doesn't. It feels like a certain gripped sense. Mostly, I think, oh yeah. It is a sort of of light gripping in my chest. I didn't even recognise that. And there's a bit of a tremble in my my belly. Yeah. It doesn't feel like there's ground beneath it. It feels like it's holding the whole thing. It's holding the whole thing. Well, and the breathing is kind of erratic. I don't sense any space around this. Okay, that's not your whole body. That's your emotional profile. <laughs> your emotional profile as it's being mapped by your body. So my emotional profile as it's being mapped by the body feels like there's no ground beneath me so I've got to keep things going. There's no space around me so I'd better hurry up. Yeah. I've got the next thing to do. So there's no space. And the breathing is sort of erratic. There's no steady comforting rhythm. And that's That's your emotional profile as it's being felt directly in your body. And you may think it's your whole body because you don't feel anything other outside your emotional profile. It's not unusual. So you might say, oh, well, where is there some ground then? Is there any ground? Let's start with that one. Oh yeah, so we do some standing or some sitting. Oh yeah, there's that sense of solid something carrying this body. The body isn't carrying itself. Something is carrying it. Ah, breathing changed. Suddenly things seem a little more lively because some of the holding has dissolved because now the body's being held. The space around it. Oh, chest suddenly opened, the throat opened, the face relaxed. Now I feel less 
there's more time. Time is space. Time and space are the same thing. And then the breathing is swelling and surging, but it's beginning to regulate this state I'm in. It's starting to regulate it, make a sweep, swing it up and down. And then I see the size, a in breath, and it starts normalizing. Then we come back to whole body. Okay. So, you know, wherever we are, psychologically, emotionally, wherever we are in our lives, in our day, in our hour, how does it feel? Okay. Okay. I mean, just even to... to not get involved with the thinking. How does, how does your body feel? Just asking yourself that. Not in terms of, I've got an ache in my knee. But no, the body, on a kind of, you say, an emotional level or a somatic level, it feels, what's the one word? What does it not feel? It doesn't feel relaxed. Yeah, that's it, not relaxed. Not relaxed. Oh, relaxed. That's it. Yeah, relax. Sometimes that. Oh, not really. Can't relax because I've got to manage this thing I'm doing right now. Okay. Then it's called hmm, holding something together. Not good, not bad. It's that. Know what's happening. And how are you with that? It's okay. Would you like it to finish? Would you like not to be doing it? Well, I'm mixed. I kind of want to do it, but uh, it'd be nice when it's over. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. How is that? How does that feel? Don't take it too seriously. It's just stuff, you know? Can we handle our day, handle our project without that sense of it's up to me to make sure it works, manage it? No, it's not up to you, really. If the internet fails, (laughs) if somebody doesn't push a button, (laughs) it's understandable to feel like that, but it's just play, you know. This isn't work, this is just play. Yeah. It's just play. Oh, really? Yeah, it doesn't matter if it fails, it's okay. Oh, yeah. Then we approach what we're doing from a more wholesome, wholesome attitude. You know it's wholesome because suddenly you light up. And you relax and your body, whole body feels present. You think, oh yeah, this is okay. I'm still alert. I'm still attuned. I'm still only part of the game. It's an important game. I want to to commit to that and do what I can with it. But I'm no longer held with that sort of background worrying, what if it goes wrong? Because me worrying about it is not going to make it wrong or right. It will go wrong or right anyway. And me worrying about it isn't going to really change anything. Can I be alert, attentive, 
but it's still play. That's possible. Now, it's been very verbal so far, but what's the simple step? You shouldn't have to sacrifice your whole body in order to do what you're doing. You're cooking, and it's important you want to cook a good meal. You want to get it right because you care. Beautiful. You care. And you want to get it right. So you're cooking a meal. Now, is it possible to recognize that actually not all conditions are under your control? You know, sometimes the cooker doesn't work or somebody interrupts or something breaks or there's a telephone call or something comes in and suddenly tension is jolted. You cannot get it right according to the ideal perfection that you wish for. But you can play it. You can say, okay, you don't have to give up. And the thing is, you did not give up your whole body. You can be there completely and okay, we're doing this, we're doing that, let's go and so find so far, whoops, so well, let's see if we can do that, whoops, let's make, you know, try this, how do that, and then result was what it was, you know. <laughs> it's as good as it could be now, but we're happy. Uh, you know, it's like, do you want the end product to be something where you're so stressed out, and it's critical by the time you've done it, you don't enjoy it, and you did it because you wanted to make something good, but the end result is the thing is good, but you're a wreck. Is that is that the right way? Or wouldn't it be better to have something that, you know, you could find fault with it, but you could find fault with anything. It's my offering. I'm happy. This is for you. And recognize the other human being probably think, oh, wonderful, you know. Right, you know, just to be with a joyful, happy, relaxed person itself is is beautiful. I don't want, I don't care. The rest of it's secondary, really, isn't it? Isn't it? You know, so we see how we we give ourselves away, give our core presence away, often with quite good ideas, noble ideals, to make it right, to make it get it done on time to be the most effective, to make sure things don't go wrong. But we give our core presence away for something and actually perhaps it isn't the most important thing for you or for other people. Perhaps the most important thing for you and for other people is to maintain your core presence and open your heart from there because that's what will happen and you'll do as good as you can do. And nobody knows what that comes out as. But it doesn't matter. Do you ever get those messages? I can understand it because, you know, it's an it's incredibly performance-driven society. You know, I always sometimes recognise gratitude to my parents because they always said, 
Son, you just do as best you can. That's as good as you need to be. No A grades, B grades, C grades, 10 out of 10. Just do what you can, the best you can. That's fine. You're always giving that, that reminder that you are the important thing, not the, not the product. Do you get that? Do you ever get that? Uh, very important to share it with each other as an act of kindness. You're the important thing, your welfare. Okay, so let's take that back here. So certainly one of the things we're cultivating is return to core presence is to prioritise it. And so it's not just this is the way I become less crazy or neurotic or compulsive, but actually I become more happy and comfortable and a pleasure to live with. <laughs> so it's not just the erasure, the negative, it's also the positive that enables us to rise out of our compulsions, to discard our compulsions, to let our compulsions fall away. And what's left is something truly beautiful. And this is possible. And it it does encourage us because I think, you know, it's like um, when you even get an idea that this isn't just about self-improvement program no this is about a self unraveling program enables us to return to something more beautiful and more stable than my personality could ever be and we begin which is that very simple process. So we're sort of sitting here, standing here, walking in. How is it? Mm. Nothing much. Okay. Yeah, it's okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. Stay with it a little bit longer. Hmm. I remember things I was supposed to be doing. Mm. And I'm wondering, so what happens next to this meditation? Am I doing the right thing? Should I get into something? Am I supposed to be focusing on something? Or, or what? And how long does it go on for? Mm-hmm. It started. The process has started. What's happening? How do you feel now? A bit unsettled and agitated. Okay, how's that? Yeah, skin feels slightly tight. Some pressure coming up into my head. Chest is slightly caving in. (laughs) Okay, you don't have to wait long. (laughs) It shows up. It shows up, the profile shows up. <laughs> okay, now, so rather than, well, I can't this meditation, I've got to make the next thing happen to make sure I get, you no, know, that, that, that's the program speaking. <laughs> that's, that's the profile is now speaking. It's speaking through your head in complicated ideas and memories. It's, what's the feeling? Unsettled, unsteady. Okay, so how is that in your body? 
Um, it's okay. So what, what about, can you feel how, how wide are you? Wide? Well, I mean, what about the width of your chest? How's that? Oh yeah, I see what you mean. Oh, chest has opened a little bit. And how tall are you? How, where are you, where are you, where is your ground right now? So you're, if you're sitting down, your legs, your backside, all that. And how is that? Is that set? No, it's slightly, slightly tensing up, relaxing the tail, relaxing in the legs, relaxing in the belly, winding, softening the impulses to change things or make things happen or correct anything. Don't correct anything. Don't correct anything. Let the process speak. Don't correct anything. Let the process speak and feel it in the body. As you feel it in your body, what does the body need? Some air? Some spine? Give it a chance to sort of tell you or indicate what are you missing out? Oh, never even thought about the spine. It's the pretty important because there's where you get that firmness. Mm. And when I get the firmness, the soft part of the body, the front of the body begins to open up because it's got that strong support. And there's a certain emotional ripple with that sense quite agreeable actually opening quite agreeable and then perhaps some emotional turbulence moves around breathing in breathing out and as the emotional turbulence sort of begins to steady breathing in breathing out comes to the fore becomes richer and stronger and spreads its energies through the entire system. We feel happy, at ease. Mm. Clear it, feel it, breathe it, clear it. Let the breathing clear it, let the body clear it. Let it help you. I'd just like to add a remark or two. Don't concern yourself with trying to understand it, why you feel this way. You could get that. It could be a realisation that occurs. If it occurs, fine, but it's a sort of a, an extra because the things you just want to clear and return to this core presence and enjoy it. Yeah? So don't try to understand it, figure it out. Don't try to do it. We may, okay, you know, I should know how to practice, practice, uh, always be a beginner. Really encouraging the embodied sense to come forward and hold the self 
back a little bit. Hold it back a little bit. Don't be too eager to get things clear. Let the body, because you'll miss bits. If you're too eager, you'll, you'll shortcut, you'll miss bits. You want to give that embodied process the time to sense it and open out through it. The results are much richer and, and the cleaning is much more thorough if it's done in the very system, by the very system that's holding the problem. That very system, as it comes out of the problem, is experienced as something really rather beautiful. So don't you try to do it. Let's take some time for direct practice. 